In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, following the World Ocean Day commemoration, we look at 10 top tips to start your own fish farm. Fish farming or aquaculture is trending across Mzanzi, and there are many opportunities for beginner farmers. Farmsell Managing Director Aaron Kohle joins us for a new farmer development feature. Farmsell has already supported close to a thousand farmers and who knows, you could be next. KwaZulu-Natal farmers are coming to terms with the current clampdown on the movements of cloven-hoofed animals after the recent outbreak of foot-and-mouth disease in cattle in Umtumbatuba. We're joined by Dr. Peter Obram, Chief Executive of AfriVet. Dr. Francois van der Fever from Furmol unpacks what it takes to keep your livestock in tip-top condition all year round. Plus, you stand a chance of winning a thousand rand Furmol product voucher. We also meet Boitumelo Modisane, a Northwest livestock farmer. Now, despite the barriers that she's faced as a female farmer, Boitumelo now wears the crown as this week's soil sister, powered by Food from Zanzi and Koteva AgriScience. Our book of the week, as selected by you, our listeners, is Choose Yourself by James Altucher. The author's self-depreciating style is raw, honest, and the kick in the pants every entrepreneur needs. And finally, poultry farmer and finalist in Agri Western Cape and Suntum's Agriculture's 2021 Young Farmer of the Year competition, Joandra Gregory, shares her top tip for farming. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi. Welcome to episode 78 of Food from Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food Form Zanzi. And joining me is journalist and co-host Duncan Masiwa. Thanks, Dawn. Great to be back. And still in shock after Farmers Inside Track received an honorable mention in the 2021 Global Media Awards. In fact, wait for it. You're now listening to the world's leading farmers news podcast. <laughs> but let's get the lowdown from Food from Zanzi's co-founder and editor-in-chief, Ivor Price. Hey, Dawn and Duncan, congratulations. This is a huge win, not only for Team Food from Zanzi, but for media in South Africa, as well as the wider continent of Africa. Of course, we are so privileged to have been flying the flag for agricultural news media on a global media stage. That is a huge honor we don't take for granted. This isn't the first award you'll remember that the Farmers Inside Track podcast and newsletter has won. Just last year, Food from Zanzi also won the Best in Audience Engagement category at the African Digital Media Awards presented by One IFRA, the global organization for the news press. So it's safe to say that Food from Zanzi's Farmers Inside Track is now the very, very best news podcast on the continent of Africa and also the biggest farmers podcast in the world. You know, the most recognized farmers podcast now in the world after our latest win. We're also very chuffed um, with the third place we received for a native advertising campaign we did last year with Standard Bank. 
You'll remember that experts, different experts from Standard Bank, joined us for 13 weeks to share very crucial advice for especially up-and-coming farmers on this very podcast, on the newsletter, on Food for Mzansi itself, empowering them with potentially life-saving information that assisted farmers to take their agricultural enterprises to the very next level. So lastly, before I say goodbye, on behalf of Team Food for Mzansi, I just want to also thank every single listener, every single reader, every single fan, every single friend, every single advertiser. Everyone who walks this journey with Food for Mzansi, it's been an amazing, what is it, just more than two years already, and we only have one mission, and that is to continue creating social cohesion through agriculture. Back to you, Don Duncan. We couldn't have done this without you. Thanks, Ivor. And a big round of applause to you, our Farmers Inside Track listeners in close to 90 different countries. Right, let's get this show on the road. Starting your own fish farm can be a learn and go process, but there are smart decisions you need to make early on. Journalist Nicole Ludolf chats to Thomas Keat, director of Zini Fish Farm. Thomas Keat has years of experience in aquaculture, including four years of experience in his new venture, tilapia farming. So Tom, tell us, how did you get started in aquaculture? I was first introduced to the concept of aquaculture while I was a student, a chance encounter with a friend of a friend who had just enrolled in the agricultural sciences degree at Stellenbosch University, which focuses specifically on aquaculture. He described what it entailed to me and the idea of being outdoors, preferably near the ocean, which I love, and contributing to some form of sustainable development and food production. That idea sounded so much more appealing to me than what I was doing at the time, which was a finance degree. So thereafter, I enrolled in the same degree and used to work lots of holiday jobs in between studying and the rest is history. What are some of the things you need to get started in tilapia farming in terms of equipment and also knowledge? I would say learn as much as you can before you start. There's so much information nowadays out there. Aquaculture is such a diverse field and there's so many different facets to consider. In terms of the equipment one needs specifically for tilapia farming, you'd need suitable tanks for housing breeders or happenets. You'd need egg incubators for hatching eggs. You would need tanks for rearing the babies in, graders. You would need specialized feed that is small enough for the baby fish to consume. The list goes on and on. Do you have any tips for future farmers that want to enter the aquaculture space? A tip I'd have for future fish farmers would be after arming yourself with as much knowledge as you can get your hands on to try and get some practical experience on any type of fish farm. This is a tricky thing to do in South Africa with such a small industry, but it's something that if you can pull off will sort of give you invaluable experience and insight into what fish farming entails and will hopefully stand you in good stead should you wish to start your own venture one day. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you, Thomas Kitt, the director of Zeni Fish Farm. Now, don't forget to check out the additional tips in the article published on Food for Mzanzi's website.
Next up, a brand new insert called Farmsol Farmer Development with Aaron Corley. Now, Aaron, of course, needs little introduction as the managing director of Farmsol, a leading agricultural development organization. Aaron, you're adamant that it's vital to bring the youth on board for a fresh perspective and new approach towards the agri sector. Why is this so important, especially as we celebrate Youth Month? Don, greetings to you and to all the farmers and food farmers and the listeners out there. I do believe, firstly, as a people, that our connection to the future really lies in the potential of our youth. More so when it comes to farming, we cannot really achieve any success in the future without investing in the youth. So it is very important to bring on board young people into farming now so that they get the requisite skills and experience to be successful commercial farmers who will ensure food security in the future for generations to come. And you'll probably agree that as time goes on, we are bound to face food production challenges, whether this is due to the need to feed the growing population or facing adverse climate conditions, such as you know, the pest outbreaks that we normally see. We saw, for example, the locust outbreaks. We normally have disease outbreaks. So young people can bring new perspectives and new ways of doing things either through the use or creation of new technologies that will make farming much more efficient, easier, and that farming stand the test of time and be resilient against challenges faced in the future. So that's what I think. I think it's really it's very important. I think June month is a vivid reminder of us that we need to invest in our youth. Aaron, we're super excited to introduce FarmSol Youth Ambassador here on Farmers Inside Track and Food Form Zanzi. Why did you decide to launch this initiative? Don, throughout my career working with farmers, you know, particularly young farmers, I got to realize that it is not that young people do not want to participate in farming or that they don't have interest in farming, but rather that they often they don't know which doors to knock on. You know, we therefore launched the Farmsol Youth Ambassador Desk. For me, I think to achieve four objectives. One, we wanted to promote the development of young people in agriculture. Two, we wanted to increase awareness about opportunities that do exist in agriculture. And three, we wanted to mobilize support and partnerships for young people in agriculture because we cannot do it alone. And lastly, we wanted to share practical and valuable farming information. And I think, Don, you recognize that, you know, to achieve this objective is not necessarily going to be easy. But I believe working with various partners and industry stakeholders and holding hands, we can really make a meaningful and impactful contribution. And if you had to share advice to new farmers entering Mzanzi's agricultural sector, what would that be? especially people really starting out from scratch. It's actually very important. And I hear you actually mentioned a very important word, start. And for me, there's a famous quote, and probably you've had this quote before. And I think it's actually relevant to new farmers and the circumstances we find ourselves in today. It goes by the saying, if not me, who? And if not now, when? So my advice to the new farmers is that just like a successful harvest, we start with one single step of planting a seed. To be successful is to begin with whatever you want to achieve, no matter how big or scary the obstacle might appear. I think it's important that they don't procrastinate. They need to begin the process now, be resilient, stay in the journey, and eventually they will reap the benefit or the harvest at the end. They must not lose their positive mindset. You know, I've learned something very important for me personally from farmers, and that is that having hope and optimism is the foundation of what makes a successful farmer or even an entrepreneur. You need to have that. Otherwise, you are not going to go anywhere. You need to have that optimism and hope. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track today, Aaron. Great insights and we look forward to our next discussion. Thank you so much, Don.
Thanks, Dawn, and great having you, Aaron Kole. Be sure to check out Food from Zanzi on Fridays for a special Farmersol Youth Ambassador slot. Next up on Farmers Inside Track, KwaZulu Natal farmers are coming to terms with the current clampdown on the movement of cloven hoofed animals in several regions after the recent outbreak of foot and mouth disease in cattle in Numtuba Tuba. Dawn Numdu chats to Dr. Peter Oberham, the chief executive of AfriVet. Foot and mouth disease is described as a highly contagious viral disease in cloven-hoofed animals and livestock. Dr. Peter Obram, how does it affect animals and commercial livestock in particular? Dawn, actually that's a very interesting and a very good question. And in order to explain that, I'm going to kind of go back in history. This disease evolved thousands of years ago, began in buffalo. It's a viral disease of the African buffalo. They've evolved together, that is the buffalo and the virus, for quite a long time, as we've said, and hence they've adapted towards each other. So the buffalo nowadays show no symptoms whatsoever. They just carry the disease. They're asymptomatic. Impala, obviously, which have also been around a long time in Africa, and perhaps just to add a point there, it's an African disease which developed in buffalo to start with. Obviously, with the close association with other ruminants and other ungulates, ungulates being animals with cloven hooves, those wild animals generally also show very mild symptoms sometimes. I'm talking about things like impala. But they do replicate the virus, not to that efficient degree that the buffalo do, and they do sometimes show symptoms and they can be carriers and infect our cattle, for example. Similarly, indigenous African cattle, and that's an inverted commas indigenous because it depends how far back you go as to whether they're indigenous or not. But these animals have for centuries adapted and lived with buffalo and the disease. So the symptoms and the clinical signs they show are generally very mild, if any, sometimes. And that's actually a very important thing. But then if you talk about exotic cattle, cattle in Europe, cattle in North America, the imported dairy cattle that we farm with, they're highly susceptible, especially the dairy cattle, and totally have their milk production destroyed. So it's very important when you ask me the question, so is it important to commercial farmers? In one way, i.e. do the animals show really bad symptoms and signs? The answer generally is no, not in South Africa and not to the serotype that they call the SAT types. There's three of them, SAT1, SAT2, SAT3, which is the original progenitor virus that evolved here in Africa. And there are other strains, other serotypes that you find elsewhere in the world, A, O, and C. Our animals are not that well adapted to them because they evolved in Europe and China with the animals of those regions. So to say, is it important and does it affect commercial livestock? Symptom-wise, production-wise, not really. But because it is so severe and spreads so very quickly, for example, in Europe, if it ever gets there again, the world system has been developed to control the disease. And this system severely limits trade. And if we then have an outbreak here, that affects us enormously, not because of the symptoms or the damage the virus causes, 
but very specifically because of the control measures that are put in. Now, Dr. Oberum, Kozunatal farmers are coming to terms with the current clampdown on the movement of clove-removed animals in several regions. And this is obviously after the recent outbreak of foot and mouth disease in cattle in Utumba-Tumba, about 200 kilometers north of Durban. How has this outbreak affected farmers in this region specifically? And again, that's precisely what we've been talking about. It doesn't really affect the animals that severely, but the control measures that are put in now. In other words, the quarantine that's put on that very specific area where it happened, and then the other controls on movement around in the three surrounding districts very severely affects what the farmers can or can't do, very severely affects the income they may get because there's no movement of animals allowed. They can't sell those animals except with a permit to an abattoir. And if it's a productive cow, you'd probably get 35,000 rands for it if you sold it as a cow. But now the only outlet, at least until the quarantine is lifted, is to send it to an abattoir. And even then, it has to be a very specific abattoir if they ever list one and permit one. But remember, it's not only cattle farms. It's goats, sheep, pigs, and game animals that can't move. And in the last outbreak, just as an example, wool sales, not necessarily from the Limpopo because that's not where wool is grown, wool sales of wool from the Eastern Cape was affected because the Chinese would not accept wool from an area which has lost its foot and mouth disease-free zone. Now, South Africa has also suffered repeated crisis caused by the FMD outbreaks over the past 20 years. In fact, you've highlighted that it's perhaps more than any other Southern African country, with the exception of Zimbabwe. Why is this the case and what can we do to avoid these outbreaks? If you look historically at the outbreaks, they started again, they started in the early 1900s and there were slow increases in number. The the reason why prior to 1930, there were no foot and mouth outbreaks for a while is because at the end of the 19th century, 1890s, we had a very severe epidemic of rinderpest, which came down from the north and spread down south until eventually in 1900, it got to Cape Town. Rinderpest affects the ruminants, including buffalo. And the buffalo population was nigh on eliminated, together with hunting and everything else that went with it. So there were very low numbers of buffalo. There was little contact between cattle and buffalo. And as a result, there was really no foot and mouth disease. But as buffalo numbers increased and contact with the cattle became more frequent, then from 1930s onwards, there was a very low incidence. And also very strict controls were put in place about movement of cattle, vaccination and everything else once there were a few cases. A turning point was in the 1980s when South Africa began producing its own vaccine. The reason that that's important is that just like we've seen with COVID, the new variants, which they now call Alpha, Beta and Delta, you get this antigenic drift. And with the antigenic drift, the vaccines become slightly less effective. So once in 1980, South Africa was able to do its own isolations and serotyping and was able to make its own vaccine, 
we saw a dramatic decline in numbers of outbreaks. Unfortunately, then in the early 90s, there were changes and the numbers have started to become more and more. It's probably only Zimbabwe that has more outbreaks than we have had in the recent times. And then this outbreak, Dr. Obram, is the fourth since the year 2000, following the previous one in Limpopo, resulting in the country losing its international FMD-free zone recognition. How has losing international FMD-free zone status impacted South Africa's agricultural industry? Well, it's absolutely severe. To give you an example, I think it was after the 2011 outbreak, it was the first one in recent times, and it was also in KwaZulu-Natal. And we really haven't had it back properly since then. But we lost our accreditation as being FMD-free in the FMD-free zone. Something like 700 game harvesters, i.e. people that harvest game for export, lost their jobs. Until today, they don't have their jobs back. I explained to you that 70% of our wool clip gets sold to China. And China, for a period, refused to accept wool from South Africa. You can imagine if suddenly 70% of our market for our really good product just disappears. It's an absolute disaster. And then, of course, meat exports are stopped. And meat export for us is a huge potential earner of foreign exchange. We don't export much at all at this stage, but we are capable of exporting 20% of our production which is very significant. It runs into billions of rands. And our meat is of superb quality. It's really of good standard. And our production costs are low. Our cost is roughly 30% less than the average world cost. So we could really earn a lot of forex, create a lot of jobs if we just focused on productivity and ensuring that our foot and mouth status is correct. Dr. Peter Obram, Chief Executive at AfriVet, thank you so much for joining us today on Farmers Inside Track. Great insights, and we definitely have you back to talk to us again. Thank you, Dawn. Much appreciated. Thanks, Dr. Peter Obram, the Chief Executive of AfriVet. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the CO.za, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Now for our book of the week as selected by our farmers. This week we look at a book titled Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Now, the author's self-depreciating style is raw, honest, and the kick in the pants every entrepreneur needs. Ideas are really the currency of this economy. Like, think about it. Industry, we can outsource now. Like, Apple doesn't make iPhones here. They make iPhones in China. You know, everybody said, okay, we switched to a knowledge economy. But that's not true. Knowledge we can outsource. Like, I in 07, I outsourced a software project. I have two software projects now outsourced to different countries. I have a translation project outsourced. I have research projects outsourced. But I outsource to someone, come up with 10 ideas for me to do as businesses or come up with 10 ways for me to treat my customers better. So ideas are still here. Ideas are the only thing we have left. Right. So we're in an idea economy now. People don't quite realize that yet. They still say, oh, we're in a knowledge economy. But that hasn't been true for at least like 
probably 15 years, but really the crisis of 09 underlined that. So really the past four or five years, ideas are how you make money. Now people say, oh, execution is everything. Ideas are a dime a dozen, but it's not true. Execution is a subset of ideas. When you came up with this space, for instance, you didn't automatically know how you were gonna set up the lights and the cameras and what you were gonna do. You had to come up with the ideas. We're gonna put this here, we're gonna put these books, we're gonna ask advice where to put the lights. Like you had to come up with the ideas on how to execute on this. And every day for you, I'm sure, ideas on who you should have on the show, ideas how you can better market the show. For you, the execution was the easy part. Ideas on the execution and how you can better distribute this, that's the hard part every day. I'm sure you wake up thinking not how I can get a better camera, but how I can really market this better, how I can contribute better and help people better. Those are the ideas that are building this as opposed to just simply a better camera or a better light or whatever. Thanks, James Altucher. To suggest the next book of the week, simply email us at info at Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. You're listening to Farmers Inside Track, South Africa's most downloaded farmers podcast. Proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Drumroll, please, for this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience. She is Boitumelo Modisana, livestock farmer from Rustenburg in Northwest. Besides being a farming force to be reckoned with, she is currently also on a year-long blender development program at the Gibbs Business School. Boitumelo, where and how did your farming journey start? I'm born and bred in the northwest in the area called Rustenburg. I'm a mom of two and a wife. I literally grew up as a farm girl. From the age of six, I knew I had interest in livestock farming. Growing up to see my dad doing what he does best as an entrepreneur and a professional. Now we know farming is no easy game. What are some of the toughest lessons you've learned along the way? The challenges that I faced actually motivated me. I was motivated by rejection. I was motivated by the fact that our society, especially us, we don't believe that women can do this. I was motivated by rejection from my fellow brothers. When you're a girl child, you are always shut away. I still believe that if my dad had a son that's my age right now, he could have been very much far because the baton could have been easier passed at an earlier stage. So all these challenges, honestly, that you encounter, that rejection where you are asking questions, this and this, you know, that inquisitiveness of a girl child wanting to know where there is a red tape, that this is a man's territory, this and that, that what actually drove me. Apart from that, honestly, every negative opinion makes me wonder and ask a question, why? Why am I not allowed? And that's what keeps me going. And then to other women entering the farming arena, what is your advice? I learned that this business requires patience. 
it's not a get rich quick scheme it requires patience you need to be safe and secure with your location you need to be safe and secured with your staff your headmen people that are servicing you on a daily basis you need to take care of them if you don't take care of them they won't take care of your liabilities they won't take care of your investment or your capital these are the lessons that i've learned i've learned that because this is more like precious gold or platinum you don't just take anyone you don't brag about this on social media you keep it discreet you you are in the business of changing lives you are in the business of making money and you just become professional about it there's no friendships in this industry but you need to have mentors you need to have people that you look up to that you constantly check up with when something is giving you a little bit of challenges with the ex- expertise and knowledge there's a lot that you can take wise words right there from livestock farmer Boitumelo Modisane she's of course another phenomenal soil sister as selected by Food for Mzansi and Koteva AgriScience i got to admit i'm really enjoying meeting all of these hashtag soil sisters they really are amazing Next up animal nutrition powered by Furmo Feeds Dr. Francho van der Feifer the national technical manager at Furmo Feeds unpacks what it takes to keep your livestock in tip-top condition all year round No Mr Lopang TCP is a stern believer in Furmo's production leg and uses it to keep his beef and goats in tip-top condition From a nutritional point of view Dr Van der Feifer why is production leg so effective Furmo's production leg is a flagship leg which supplements not only minerals and protein but also energy So the listeners will be familiar with the Furmo free face leg program in which we recommend supplementing minerals in particular phosphorus on our green succulent grazing and then protein leaks or more commonly known as urea leaks on the dry mature grazing and then as Mr. Decipi is using the production leak for animals that is fed at levels above maintenance requirements. So Mr. Decipi points out that he uses Furmo's production leak for his heifers and cows and he sees the benefit thereof in their growth and development in the production and milk production of the cows and subsequently the development of a suckling calf. Now, Francesca, could you perhaps share with the listeners what the composition of Furmo's production leg is and why is it such a popular product? Yes, yes, absolutely. Any production leg that is worth its money will contain and as I already mentioned, all the essential nutrients needed by the animal in a balanced manner. So Furmo's production leg is already mixed and ready to use as is product. In other words, no further mixing is required. It contains a high level of energy such as grains, grain byproducts and molasses to supplement for high energy requirement of growing cattle or lactating or even pregnant cows. What is really convenient about production leak is that its protein and its urea content is safe to be used for large and small stock. So Mr. Decipi, for instance, not only farms with cattle, but also with goats. And therefore, it is simply more practical to have one leak that does the job for all the animals on the farm. So the purpose of a production leak is to limit weight loss in animals during the tough dry season, to prevent metabolic disorders such as twin lambing disease in our small stock, stimulate growth 
stimulate the development of young growing animals and heifers to improve milk production of lactating cows, and it contains scientifically researched additives to improve the utilize, utilization of the energy in the poorly digestible grass. In some cases, farmers also use production leak as a flush feed for reuse. Now, when farmers use licks to keep their animals in tip-top condition, what are the guidelines or tips that you can share? Well, thanks for this. This is a very important question, and there's definitely a number of very important practical tips that listeners can take home with them. And the first and probably the most important point is to always feed the correct lick at the correct time. Our aim is to complement the deficiencies of the grazing and not to substitute it. So make sure when you feed a lick that there's always sufficient grass or hay available because licks are formulated and designed to improve the digestion of poorly digestible grass or roughage. And if there isn't grass available, the lick can actually be toxic to, an- to the animals. So I reinforce, make sure that there's enough hay available. And also in this regard, and especially with high protein licks such as winter licks or high energy licks such as production licks, it's advisable to adapt the animals to the lick. So although licks regulate their own intake, the initial intake might be too high as animals might have a salt hunger. I'm going to use a very simple analogy. We all like crisps or chips or even boltung. And when you start eating this, we eat quite a lot of it. But at some point, we get thirsty because of our high salt content. So the salt is actually regulating this. So this is a very simple analogy, but the same happens to animals that aren't used to licks. At first, they might overeat or overconsume the lick because they have a salt hunger. But that very salt becomes the regulator of intake once the animals are used to the lick. So it's important to adapt the animals to the salt content and also the urea content. Now, in the case of Lopang Disipi, he does not only farm with goats, but he also farms with cattle. Now, is the nutritional approach of farming with cattle the same as with his goats? Yes, definitely. The principles of nutrition is applicable to all types of animals. The difference, however, is in the products that's available for small stock like sheep or goats or large stock such as cattle. So where the farmer feeds animals that remains in the herd, in other words, the animals we call the replacement stock or the breeding animals like the cows, bulls and heifers, it is correct to follow the three-phase lick program. But for instance, there's animals that aren't retained in the herd, those that we select against and we're not going to keep them in our herd. There are several options that one can consider, such as to sell them to our neighboring farmers or other farmers as breeding stock. We can sell them at auction to feedlots or other farmers, or we can decide to fatten them on our own farm and then market them later as slaughter or nice and fat animals. And this is where Mr. DeCipi is using Fumol's SP100, which is a protein concentrate for the purpose of fattening them for slaughter and meat production. And as this product's a concentrate, the farmer simply has to mix his own grain or chop and dye on the farm to produce a complete fattening ration. So all the farmer needs is then a basic facility where he can keep the animals. So they have to be crawled or kept together, must have access to clean, fresh drinking water, and suitable feeding troughs with enough feeding space for all the animals, and obviously good management skills to ensure that the animals perform at their best. Thank you so much, Dr. Van der Feufer. Great insight there once again, and we look forward to having you on the next segment. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Francho van der Feufer, the National Technical Manager at Furmo Feeds. This week, one lucky Food from Zanzi fan can stand a chance 
to win a Fumo product voucher worth 1,000 rand. To enter the lucky draw, simply WhatsApp us on 081-889-9032 with details about your favorite Fumo product and the difference it makes on your farm. That WhatsApp number again is 081-889-9032. Food Mall produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energy licks, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Food Mall Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmall.co.za. Remember to stay tuned for our Farmer's Tip of the Week from poultry farmer and finalist in the Agri Western Cape and Suntum Agriculture's 2021 Young Farmer of the Year competition, Joandra Gregory. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes any meal a treat. It's Super Sure Bread and Super Sure Flour, a proud member of the VKB Group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Super Sure makes the whole family smile. Find Super Sure on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, here's that farmer tip from Joandra Gregory. During COVID, we were actually again reminded how essential we as farmers or agriculture is to any country around the world. I would like to encourage all young farmers or any farmer or somebody who would like to farm to start with what you have. Be patient and be consistent. We play a very, very important role in our countries. I know it's not a glamorous industry, but believe you me, we are very, very important to the world. I would also like to encourage our consumers to be kind to our farmers, to love them and to support them. Because without them, or without us, rather, I wouldn't know where we would be. So farmers, be consistent, be patient, start with what you have, and continue doing the great work that you're doing, and find value in yourself. Know that you are a very essential and important part of the world. And Joandra Gregory's Farmer Tip of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Form Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yes, yes, and remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members, and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And of course, not forgetting also on foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Don Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, Nicole Ludolf, and the rest of the Food Form Zanzi team, have a great week. And please, let's continue to keep each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic.
Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind. With 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with our best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.